0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the 378th episode of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporters Awards podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and my guest today is an extraordinary singer and, it turns out, an extraordinary actress, too. Pace Magazine wrote that she brings her contemporary R&B and pop sensibilities to a palette of jazz, blues, and at the core of everything, soul. The Los Angeles Times has said her voice embodies the old soul of a matriarch and the casual cool of a homegirl, while Billboard described it as a distinctive amalgamation of Billie Holiday, Dinah Washington, Nina Simone, Aretha Franklin, and Motown. And NPR said it exhibits Eartha Kitt's unflappable confidence, Amy Winehouse's effortless grasp of classic jazz, Billie Holiday's access to raw emotion, and Adele's range and pop sensibility. She was nominated for three Grammys before recently turning to acting as well, making her big screen debut as the title character in Lee Daniels' The United States versus Billie Holiday*. For which she was nominated for the Best Actress and Best Song Critics' Choice Awards and the Best Song Golden Globe Award, and for which two Sundays ago she won the Best Actress in a Motion Picture Drama, Golden Globe, becoming only the second black winner of the prize in that category 35 years after Whoopi Goldberg became the first for The Color Purple. A great talent and a personal favorite, Andra Day. Over the course of our conversation, the 36-year-old and I discussed the roots of her passion for music, how a freak series of events brought her to the attention of Stevie Wonder, who in turn helped her to launch her career with hit songs like Rise Up, which has become the unofficial anthem of the Black Lives Matter movement, why neither she nor Daniels were initially interested in her playing holiday and whether or not she intends to continue acting, having now done so, plus much more. And so, without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Andrew, I really appreciate you doing this. Hey
0: one. Scott, good to see you. Actually, you again. too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Congra- I, a lot's happened since I uh, last saw you. Congratulations! It's definitely crazy. <laughs> yeah, so happy for you. oh um,
0: thank you. I really appreciate it. It's so funny, like feeling that. I felt everybody's love and support. You know, just and and their and their love for her. You know, it's so cool. Wow. <laughs> That's good to see your face again.
1: <laughs> you too. Well, um, you know, last time we spoke, I I only got to pick your brain about the movie, but on on this podcast, we really go through the whole life story. So I hope you're ready. hope you don't mind. Uh, I guess uh, let's start really right at the very beginning. For people who don't know your story, can you just tell them where you were born and raised and what your folks did for a living?
0: Yeah, I was born in Seattle, Washington, which I didn't even know until a few years ago. I thought I was born in Spokane. Really? <laughs> my mom's like where'd you get that from i was like you i thought <laughs> yeah. so now i was born in um seattle washington but we moved like i mean almost probably like six months i guess or something like that after i was born um down to Seal beach california and then we finally settled so i was raised in san diego southeast san diego um because my father was in the military mm-hmm. and uh, my, my my dad as i said he was served 26 years in the military retired and now he's um Actually, just started his own business. It's called Grill Time. So he builds and then these custom, amazing backyard grill units and nice. And then refurbishes them as well too. So and then my mom, she um she writes children's books. She first she started. Actually, my mother started as a custodian. She was a stay-at-home mom as well, but um she was a started a custodian at a church. Um and then she worked her way up to facilities manager, and then she retired from that and she started writing children's books. So she amazing. just. Wrote something, go check it out, guys. I hear the wind blow and wonder. I'm so proud of my parents. Yeah, no, you should be. Take on these like projects, you know, as they're older, and you're like, wow, it's just, it kind of just crashes sort of this idea that there's a timeline for things, you know, I'm I'm really proud.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. What's your what's your mom's name? So people can look up the book.
0: Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. It's under the author name D.A. Beatty. So her name is Delia, Delia Ann Beatty. But if you look up D.A. Beatty. Yeah, I appreciate that. (laughs) No, Of course.
1: Now, uh, it leads nicely, actually, into the next question, which is that you were born with neither the first name, Andra, nor the last name, yeah. Day. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> so who how did you? <laughs> how, did we, how did we get here?
0: Um, yeah, so I mean, my first name actually is Cassandra, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I just chopped that in half, took off the C-A-S-S. And I just like the way the hard A sounded on Andra better, So, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is so annoying for people because they're always like, Andra, Andra. So my real name is Cassandra, but my stage name is Andra, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the day came from the one and only uh, Billie Holiday. You know, I, I like the relationship between her and Lester Young. And he gave her the nickname Lady Day and she gave him the name of the president. And he called her mother the duchess. And so she'd say they were the royal family. So I just chopped it in half and took the day.
1: <laughs> but like people should understand this is not like something you didn't just like change your name last week. This is when did you start using the last name Day?
0: Gosh, um, geez, how long has this been now? Um, I probably have been using, I mean, it's probably been about eight years now. I think about okay. Years
1: something like so that, since eight, you I mean, really sort of, uh, I guess maybe signed your record deal. Yeah. Or, yeah. It
0: was, I mean, I guess a little before that, right? No. Oh my God. Wait, when did I start working with him? So nine years, almost 10 years actually. Cause we're in wow. 2021 and I started wow. working with them in 2011, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, I think almost 10, almost 10 years now.
1: Yeah. Got it. <laughs> well, you know, you have, spoken a lot about being a very religious person. I wondered if that started young and I wondered if it started in the way that I think for a lot of our greatest singers, including some who I think you are pretty fond of, like Aretha and Whitney, that was, I believe it started in the church. So was that the case for you as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess I knew it was really came from like listening to singers like Whitney when I was very, very young and like Aretha. Um, and then I did sing in church as well, too. And I, I do always say clearly, though, I don't like to call myself a religious person. I say that I'm a spiritual person with a Go relationship because religion, honey, can be a little bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I, I uh, yeah, so I did. I was singing in the church, you know, but I think it's so funny because people always be like, oh, you know, of course, it started in the gospel church. But it wasn't really a gospel church that I went to. It, for. it was just very like conservative, you know, praise type songs whatever. <laughs> so um that didn't gospel it wasn't really until I got a little bit older, but um so yeah I, I did it's a huge part of, of who I am you know I, I think I, I was exposed to it when I was young by my mother, and then I kind of went off and did you know my own thing <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and then I really I had a great I encountered you know God or christ in, in a different way and and have a really wonderful relationship, you know I, I think it fills everything with just um you know, purpose and intention, you know, and, and love yeah. so much love and so much peace, you know, with, with everybody I encounter.
1: So yes. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you were getting amazing feedback about your voice, even in church, but it sounds like there was some kind of a turning point, I guess, around mm-hmm. the age of 11 or 12, when you change schools and now start studying at an art school. Yeah. Um, what led to that move? Was somebody saying like, we got a really, you know, well, we got something think- special here.
0: I think my parents, I think I really discovered that I could sing at like, I feel like it was like around six and it was like singing Whitney Houston. You know, I think that's when my parents and my family started like, oh, she can sing, you know, but you know, it's funny. It was never like this epiphany, like, wow, she has a voice moment because music is so much a part of my upbringing. Like my grandfather, though, I didn't really know him on my mother's side. I was a jazz musician and a jazz singer. My father sings well, my mother sings well. So music has, we've all sung, you know, my younger brother um, Jackson plays, you know, keys, guitar, sings, writes, you know, so we've always sort of done this. So it was never like a, a voice, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was going, but it was like, yeah, she better be able to sing because the rest of us <laughs> can, you know? <laughs> so yeah. <laughs>
1: but the, the kind of, you know, we, often here on this podcast and just generally obviously in this business about the importance of arts education which is something that is not always available to kids you i think you had it at both of these schools but maybe you can talk about the the most valuable takeaway from from being i guess ultimately at the San Diego School of Creative and Performing Arts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and to answer your first question, sorry, Mm -hmm. I went to a feeder school, which was called Valencia Park. And so that was kind of an arts elementary school. And so there were a couple, a handful of schools that actually fed into SCPA. So it was actually really a blessing we were able to go there. Um, I mean, I think the thing that it really teaches you, the biggest thing, and I say this all the time, with the arts, it's not just that, okay, it prepares kids for a career in the arts. Because a lot of kids that I went to school with probably never engaged in the arts or never. But what it really, really does is that I feel like it makes your brain like a sponge. You're able to absorb information better, understand information, process information better, and not just like, you know, um, academically, also emotionally, you know, and that's, that's one of the things that helps you to really interact with people, to be more understanding, more loving, you know, to celebrate people. And so, I, I, I'm such a huge advocate for it, even if it's not a school for the arts, because it really taught me how to be present. Um, it really helped me to absorb other information and to look at things in life through different lenses and through other people's lenses. And, and then the technical stuff, you know, we really did check train in jazz vocal performance, or I danced for 23 years, 22 wow. years, sorry. Wow. Um, you know, doing stage shows, auditioning. So I, I feel like I'm a huge, I love to hear that you're a proponent of it because so am I. Sure. It's all around, I think it just makes societies and young people just healthier, you
1: know? Well, and another thing I, it, it can do, and in, in your case, I believe it did do, was kind of acquaint young people with the great artists who came before yes. them. Yes. In your case, including. I guess that was really the beginning of knowing who Billie Holiday was, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was eleven years old when my eleven or twelve. I'm always like, wait, where I? Eleven or twelve years old, and when my musical theater instructor actually introduced me to Billie Holiday, I was like, you got to study Billie Holiday. I thought it was a man at first, really <laughs> being like, oh no. <laughs> Happy International Women's Day, y'all! I've okay. always, you been- <laughs> know, <laughs> but so. But then I listened and I heard first a song called. Sugar, sugar, I called my baby sugar, you know, and then I I heard strange fruit, you know, and sugar shook me first because I was like, you know, I was looking for singers to study, but it didn't sound anything like Whitney and it didn't sound anything like, you know, Aretha and Gladys and Patty, but it was like a train that felt like it was going to fall off the tracks and never did, you know, and so I was like, whoa, her tone is so different and this is one of the greatest singers. So she changed what a great singer is for me, you know, mm-hmm. and helped me to own my own voice. And then hearing Strange Fruit, all at that age, I couldn't process fully what she was saying. All I knew is that it prostrated me and I wanted to just cry and to just help her. I, I just thought whatever she's going through, I know she lost something or she's losing something or she's in a lot of pain. and And I just it made me really want to affect people. Like if they stop and listen to my music to make them stop and listen mm-hmm. to whatever it is that I, that I make, you know, that, that it impacts people, even if it's just five, maybe it won't affect 5 million, but it will affect five, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: So. Well, I guess another thing that happened at that school was your first kind of introduction to acting. I know you say you never acted before, uh, United States versus Billy Holiday, but what about Once on This Island? That's okay, a, a big you, know? <laughs> you probably sound like my old school. They're like, girl, you are a
0: gypsy. You are. Like, Everybody's banging on me right now.
1: <laughs>
0: but, uh, no, so we did do plays. I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie. A stage show at high school, I really It's a little I different. It was it's a little similar. different. Yeah. I thought it was similar when I get off oh, that camera. <laughs> that camera is so like it is literally a lie detector test and lee daniels camera and it, oh my god oh, but yeah. we did we did a bunch of shows at scpa we did i was a part of uh once on this island i did play team and i played the lead in that and then i played the lead in gypsy i played gypsy Rose Lee. um which which is vintage stripping y'all that's burlesque <laughs> very very progressive school <laughs> yeah yeah right but um <laughs> We did another show. Um, actually, there's this such an incredible school, SCPA. You know, they, we did this one show called The Quilt, and I was so moved by it, you know, because it was really just telling different stories, you know, that people experienced within the gay community and people, you know, and dealing with AIDS and sort of being blamed for this horrible thing. You know, it was just a really beautiful progressive school. And like um, we did, you know, um, so that was called The Quilt. We did, you know, Babes in Arms, Oklahoma. Aye you know, they did. I didn't, I tried out for, um, sweet charity, but I didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, child, but I didn't
1: make it. Eat your heart out teacher. That didn't... <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, I mean, I guess, you know, this was obviously a, a formative time for you. You graduate, I don't know if it was Oh two or Oh three somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Oh three. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, Were you already set on, I'm going to immediately go right into pursuing a career in music, or was there thought about going to college or doing other things? Or, you know, how clear were you about what you wanted to do next?
0: Uh, You know, I knew I knew I wanted to do music. Really, my thing was sort of, do I want to do Broadway or do I want to, you know, do recorded music and like writing? And and just as I got older, because when I was young, I didn't like writing. I just felt like it was so much pressure. And, you know, I wanted to do, you know, to just sing like how Whitney sung or sing how you know, and then you discover all these great artists who like, you know, wrote their songs as well as saying other people's songs and, you know, and so, and then, you know, so I, I was forced really to write and then it just became like a whole other vehicle to do things. So I realized I really wanted to, um, I liked creating, I liked being sort of the, the, um, when it came to music, I like being the person who told the story and who wrote the story and who created it. And I realized I didn't want things put on me. I wanted to, to, to create it and put all these ideas together. So yeah, I definitely knew. And I mean, it was rough in the beginning, you know, I would bounce around to just different go Go ahead. What are you saying?
1: But no, well, that's, that's where I wanted to go next because I mean, it sounds like for people that think this was like an overnight thing, you, you know, you don't just come out of school and, and be able to, uh, solely work at making music. Um, right. how did you, how did you kind of make it work in terms of paying the bills in terms of finding your voice? I mean, literally, I'm sure there are people that, you know, your, your, what you seem to gravitate towards in terms of your genre or genres, if we could call it, those aren't necessarily the most commercially obvious things. Well, so, you know, what were people saying as you came out and were trying to make this work?
0: I think, first of all, it is extremely difficult and you have to have a level of patience and you have to believe, you know, also don't believe what people tell you. You know, we have this whole idea, like, you know, that you have a timeline and you have a, you know, and you can only do things within a certain amount of time. And I really hate that because I've been told multiple times in my life, you're past your prime. You know what I mean? You're, you're not, you're, you're over the hill or whatever, you know, because, because of my age. I mean, I was being told this at 25, you know what I mean? Jesus. So like, and, and I understand that it's like, okay, some people get into this business at like 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, you know, but that's not everybody's story. You know what I mean? And, and I think that full maturation, I believe God's full maturation for each of us is different in every person's life, depending on, are you the foot? Are you the arm? Are you the, you know, like, and, and, and I think that's what makes it a beautiful picture. So and
1: you speak. actually have something to say by the time yeah. you're, you By know, the time you're, yeah, exactly yeah. that age. You know, in your yeah. late twenties, or
0: as I was when we really, when all of this started to kick off. You know what I mean? But I've been pursuing it. I mean, yeah, since I was a kid, and and uh, it's not easy. I was just bouncing around different studios in the hood, trying to just write different songs, and you know, um, trying to meet people. Of course, I, I was one of those people that try to meet like you know, P. Diddy at a party. <laughs> like, hey, I gotta, once I meet him, he's gonna hear this demo tape, and he's gonna be like, "Wow." Did you really like, try? Yeah, of course. <laughs> you believe everything. You believe all of these things are going to work. You know, it's not till you get older and you're in the business that you realize, wow, that's a rough way. But <laughs> I also feel like it's character building stuff, too. Like, I don't regret it. You know, yeah. I had to put all my shows together, the background singers and, you know, everything. We did a show at The Grove at Canes in San Diego one time. It's just, you know, it's, it's so much random shit. And it is an education. It's like a college education in life. You know what I mean? So it's like... Um, but really I, I ended up getting with this manager producer and that was pretty rough, but, um, you know, but God bless him as we leave it at, (laughs) uh, but the one good thing, the silver lining that came from that is that he happened to meet Kai Miller Morris, who was Stevie's wife at the time, Stevie Wonder's wife at the time, uh, just a wonderful blessed person. And, and she heard me singing, a clip of me singing in front of a strip mall in Malibu
1: well that's what I want I want to stop you for one second because yeah, right I ahead. just I've heard the story and I'm like was she like at the strip mall in Malibu when you were there no so I just want to set the whole record straight between yeah, yeah. how how is at a strip mall and this somehow reaches Stevie Wonder if you can connect yeah. <laughs> So it
0: starts out I'm performing at a strip mall um in front of a shoe store I guess they had just opened or something like that you know and there was a couple seats out there and stuff and so and um the guy was working with at the time he was just filming you know and he actually found himself after that i I can't remember how long after oh my god i don't i can't even remember if it was like weeks or months or i don't remember Mm -hmm. but um he found himself in a pastry shop with her you know and they just were talking and and then um he showed her the clip you know what he does works with this artist and she loved how i sounded and that's when she was like i am stevie's wife i would like to play this for him you know i was like so uh, and then they orchestrated a phone call they set up a phone call and I was living in you know we didn't have no fireplace like this you know? <laughs> <laughs> we had we had a, a 7-eleven in front of us and a dumpster <laughs> Oh <man>. <laughs> <laughs> and it so was the, about this big.
1: and the phone just rings and it's like hey it's stevie <laughs>
0: yeah and it was like hey and hey and I was not andrea at the time so it was cassandra at the time yeah. and this is Stevie Wonder. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 and then my mom did not believe me that I was on the phone with Stevie Wonder at all. I think she just wanted me to do the dishes. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and it's funny because he just talked to me about writing a song. He had an idea for a song. And he was just asking me like what my sign was. And we just talked about life and making music. And he asked me why I recorded certain things the way I did and my taste in music. And it didn't work out because of subterfuge. I heard, wait, no, you got to clarify
1: this because like this is, this makes the story even crazier that, all right, so you've wound up at the attention of Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Then you fall out of the Orbit of Stevie Wonder, and then somehow you wind up back in. So how does that happen?
0: Yeah, I'll tell you very candidly. And I, I the reason I never go into this is because I'm like, you know, even if somebody has offended or done something or slighted me, I just I don't like to drag people's name and I don't like to. So I won't say his name. Sure. But um, but it basically he went and told them once I got off the phone, they said they wanted to work with me. So the next thing was to try and get in the studio and, you know, make some music. Um, I didn't hear back from them after that. And he called me back, my, the manager I was working with at the time, and said they didn't think you were good enough. They didn't really like you. And so I was like, all right, you know, you know, it's, it was hurtful. But at the same time, it's like you get used to no's, you know. I was like, yeah. all right, cool. <laughs> I'm not good enough. Okay, no problem. I just got to keep working, you know. Yeah. but And it turns out that he had actually told them they needed to pay him something like, I don't know, $50,000 or something for me to uh. just even step in the studio with them or whatever. So I never knew that until years later. Fortunately Stevie and Kai held on to my information and, and actually reached out again and let That's me know amazing. what really happened. And then yeah. I I um and then they connected me with the producer who did my first album. So I love them on yeah. a level. You know what I mean? Those yeah, are-
1: the fact that it, it came back around is amazing. And yeah. and then I guess that producer you're talking about is Adrian Gervitz. Adrian Gervitz,
0: yeah. And this
1: was your first album that you start working on in 2012, comes out in 2015, Shares of the Fall. And yet in the interim, that seems like, I don't know how long it normally takes to make an album, but three years seems like a long time. But I know that it was not like that was the only thing you were doing, because a lot of people kind of in that interim period found out about you through YouTube. And yeah. I wonder if yes. you can just talk about how how did you start doing these covers and mashups and creative things on YouTube?
0: Yeah, that I mean, that was the idea of I think that was, you know, YouTube was kind of just, you know, it was blowing up and all these things. And they would see all these covers. And I, I never really imagined necessarily myself doing that. I think I, I, to be honest, I think at first I was a little opposed to it, but I was so green that I was like, all right, well, if my producer and these, and this guy who wanted to be my manager at the time, who is my manager today, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, if they suggested, they think it's a good idea. You know, I'm going to trust, you know, I had gotten to a new place in my faith as well as a person. I had gotten to a moment of clarity because I was just is younger. <laughs> Listen, trying to make it in music was difficult. I was also a mess, you know what I mean? And I was just yeah. like, hi every day. So, yeah. <laughs> but not like, it's why I stopped smoking weed. I know other people do and that yeah. works for them, but for me, it yeah. didn't. So, um, I had finally gotten to a moment of clarity and, and, and in my faith, just a moment of just trusting God. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a Capricorn, typical December, like control everything. So I had, it was like, I'm going to trust him and do this. And, and then we did him and people responded really well to them, you know, which was interesting. I just knew that creatively, whatever we did with these videos, I did not want to do. I hate this idea that it's like, if you're a black girl, this is the type of music you do. This is the type of music you like. This is the type. Of, I didn't like that, you know, and so not that I didn't like those, I love that music, but I just hate this idea that we can't be layered and have all these different diverse tastes. So I wanted to do a Florence in the Machine cover. I wanted to do a Muse cover, which Muse, that was one of my favorite songs and one of my favorite bands. I wanted to do the, I knew I wanted to rap. That's why I had to do the Biggie. Eminem, right? Thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, and the yeah. M&M Biggie thing, cause I wanted to sing the rap. Like just whatever I did, I wanted it to say, I want you to see a black girl in vintage clothes in a space we're not represented in fashion. And I want you to see us doing things that interest me and that at the time and that are different diverse tastes. And so I'm glad I'm so glad we did it, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, and do you, is it your sense that it was suggested as a way to kind of, that would be that this is the new way to catch the eye of, of record labels? Because I mean, at the time when Stevie connected you with, I guess, Adrian at that point, again, 2012, you're you're gonna want to start working on an album, but that doesn't mean you had a, a label yet. That did Warner yes. Brothers come about partly because they saw this heat that was coming off of YouTube?
0: Uh, yeah, it, that was a part of it. And actually, we start we got together and started working. Really, I met with Adrian and Stevie. It was 2011, I think, even actually. Wow. Like, okay. Um, but yeah, so a part of that was was. Um, uh, just the, the story, obviously, of Stevie as well, too. And they did like my voice, you know, at the time. And, and then seeing the YouTube covers, you know, I think that was a part of the covers was to see how audiences responded to me. You know what I mean? To see how they liked it. And, you know, it's just so nerve wracking, you know, because you're like not really sure how this is going to yeah. go. But, but generally we got a really positive response and a reaction. And so... I like that about YouTube. You know what I'm saying? I'm not. I'm obviously not very much on it. I'm not. To be honest with you, I'm not great at social media. I, I'm. <laughs> <different>. But <laughs> like, I'm trying to get better. We got a new team in place, y'all. You'll see some more. Stuff. <laughs> I usually I'd be like, they're like, Andrew, hey, girl. It's been seven and a half months. You don't want to, know <laughs> <near> you alive. <laughs> like, I, I'm like, but you know, but I. What I love about it is that I see all of these people on YouTube, on you know, um, Instagram, on.
1: Facebook or or Facebook, uh, yeah yeah yeah. yeah.
0: What's the one that they always do the videos on. Oh,
1: now now TikTok is TikTok, one of yeah, TikTok. yeah.
0: And the Snapchat, you know. Yeah. Um, so I see them do these things and and it's amazing because you know, I have a friend who's so brilliant on 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 YouTube and all that stuff and you know, she went from having nothing to getting her dream home and to you know, so it's just I don't know. I know that people go, fake celebrities real. I'm like, who cares? Like people are grinding and putting in the time. And I, I I love that. I think it's great. Yeah.
1: Well, so the, this, this debut album, Cheers to the Fall, you've called it quote, an autobiography told in the form of 13 soul music tracks, close quote. I guess part of that process of making it though, is cutting that down from like 40 I read um, to 13 and figuring out what, what it's tough. What are you going to keep on? What are you not? And in fact, I'm going to ask you in a minute about one that wasn't supposed to be on there from what I understand, but just like to set the the timetable here, the album drops on August 28th, 2015. And then within a week, I believe is when rise up, people are hearing that single over the beats commercial with Serena Williams that makes that go completely, you know, Mm -hmm. viral. And so, you know, that single ends up at number four on the billboard 200. I guess I just wonder if you can talk about that moment where, here in in for the first time in a huge way you're putting yourself out to the world and you get that kind of a response
0: yeah i mean you know i got to tell you it's a it's, it's a blessing in in so many ways first of all you're 100% right it was not supposed to be on the first record i was <laughs> like we actually Rise up. i actually just released a song last year for charity for just like those struck hardest by covid and it's a song called make your troubles go away mm-hmm. And I says, okay, well, but that was the original song that was supposed to be in place to rise up, but we had some issue with the producer, God rest his soul, it didn't quite work out. And so they, my label says, we want to play you something. I go, I don't know, you make me uncomfortable when you play me things. But there's going to be real one-hundred-toe on with you. Yeah. you know, they were like, well, you wrote it. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> well, so then they plays it for me, and I says... Okay, um, and I loved it. It struck me right, it was like wow, and I it just raised its hand. And then they tried to produce it and add all these beats to it and do all this stuff. Rise Up Honey is an obstinate girl, okay? <laughs> she is <an laughs> obstinate. I'm not moving, I'm not going in. They tried all these beats and tried to have these DJs remix it so they could make it dancey. They could rise up, was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so, so she ended up being the one, and and I will tell you. That song is a blessing because, A, first of all, it being adopted by the Black Lives Matter movement, which means so, so, so much to me. It put me in front of, you know, the the, the president and the first lady, Barack and Michelle Obama. You know, it it I mean, it changed my family economically. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, I can provide for my family in a way I never could. Um, and I will tell you. To be recognized for a song that I truly believe God wrote, you know, because I'm like, I, don't know, I feel like a vessel and just I'm watching it happen. But when someone walks up to you and goes, oh, I wanted to kill myself just a month ago and I was about to. And I listened to Rise Up and I didn't. That's crazy. When someone says yeah, this through cancer or my losing a family member or depression or mental illness, you it's like it's it's so gratitude is all I can say, you know what I mean? Bring it to his feet, Woo.
1: It's an amazing, amazing uh, anthem, and I guess I just wonder if you remember, since it wasn't like top of mind when you're putting your your own debut album together. Do you remember what was in your mind when you wrote it?
0: That I didn't want to be here and didn't want to write it. You know, it's very <laughs> funny. Maybe I should just not want to do shit because much like it, really, <laughs> yeah really like, no. <laughs> It's like anything I'm pursuing is like mm, anything. Yeah. I'm like, oh hell no, that's everything. Like, people love it. Right. So it was just like this movie. I did not want to do this movie. I did not want to write this song because oh, I was like, I was just tired. I was like, it was the first time that you know. And I, I'm I'm a believer, not just a believer in God, but I'm really and in in the Holy Spirit in Christ. I'm a believer in like in just your opportunities and you you got to really. So this was the first time in my life, out of all the no's, out of all the bad situations, out of all that I was starting to feel like, damn, maybe this is not going to happen, you know? And, like, how do I reconcile that? How do I have peace with spending all these years pursuing this, not knowing anything else, you know what I mean? And, like, uh, so—and then a friend had just been diagnosed with cancer. It was—I didn't want to be there. I was tired of it. I was over. And so I literally sat in my car before walking into the wonderful Jen Delcevio's house who did the music and and helped me craft out everything for the song. Um, And I just prayed. I said, God— No, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. But if you got something you want to say, just let it be all your words. I don't even want to be present. Just you do you. And so she played, and I actually freestyled most of the song out in the first. Yeah, that's how I was like, oh, maybe we're supposed to. So we etched out the rest of the lyrics and finished it. The rest was history, definitely. That's
1: incredible, and uh, obviously, um, the aside from the stuff that you mentioned about, you know, it was played at the Democratic National Convention where it preceded the mothers of Trayvon Martin and Sandra Bland. Yes. And that was, I think, the beginning of the association with Black Lives Matter. And mm-hmm. I think you even was that what you also just performed at the Biden inauguration? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's like this is going to be with you forever. But yeah. oh, um, I gotta yeah. tell you, Scott, yeah, the funniest
0: sure. part of this song, first of all, like I said, me and her are not the same. She does her thing. I do mine. I'm like, OK, but this song after it's never. It's been number one on like the R&B charts on iTunes and all that stuff, yeah. you know, whatever. But never on the worldwide chart. You know what I mean? That was like something totally different. After five and a half years, just a couple weeks ago, the song was number one in the worldwide iTunes chart for a couple weeks. I was like, Oh
1: my god! god. It what was do you so think crazy. caused that? Was, was it the inauguration, or what was?
0: Well, it was way after the inauguration because it was. We did it, you know, in January, right? You know what I mean? And so it, that was just maybe like three weeks ago. or so maybe
1: it's maybe it's Billy Holiday. Uh, it could learning. be really
0: holiday. It could be maybe, maybe it's still the inauguration. I know somebody sang it. Josh Stone actually sang it um, on on the show. Uh, she was on a singing show in mm-hmm. the
1: UK. Well, the first time though that it really popped was not, I mean, it, it obviously popped with the Beats commercial, but then with the Grammys, so we got to say, you get nominated yeah. for for your debut album. You get nominated for uh, Best R&B Album and then for Rise Up for Best R&B Performance. And you're performance on there i think it was with Ellie Goulding but interest in you exploded I, I read 429% increase in album sales and 82% increase in streams overnight from that performance so yeah, yeah it um, takes 13 years
0: to be an overnight success yeah, yeah
1: it's crazy <laughs> but um but so that's that song and and then another time i i mean i i won't say that i was super familiar with the rest of your Music at that point, aside from Rise Up, but then I—I I think the next time I really heard about something that, and loved something that you were doing was Stand Up for Something, which is a song that you and Common did for Marshall, mm-hmm. which was yeah. a movie that came out in 2017. I think the song was written by Common and Diane Warren, who's a character mm-hmm. who we've had—we've yeah. had both of them on this podcast, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, she—I mean, Diane. I, I'm surprised she even like bothers to wake up on Oscar nomination morning. Every now yeah. she, every time she's nominated every year, it's incredible. But, uh, year, every- but anyway, that song gets nominated. that one got both the grammy nom and the oscar nom and now you're performing it with Common on the Oscars. I was there that night. I was like, this is the next big, this is the next big pop for you, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, well that that performance actually is what ended up landing me the Billy Holiday job. I had been auditioning at the end of 2017 and at literally the night after the Oscars, I get a call from Lee cuz he had been I guess, talking to the producers about it. And I guess they saw that performance and they were like, hire her. And so yeah. he called and you got the job. And I was like, "Whoa!" I was with my mom and my day to day and my leaving. And we were like, "Whoa!" but I still was like, you sure you don't want to use somebody else? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that that is crazy that you were hesitant and that he even needed to see that to hire you. And we'll talk about why that was in a moment. But let's this I think is is crazy background that I want to give our listeners that long before the United States versus Billie Holiday movie, or your association with it, here's some here's some weird connections. In 2015, Gail Mitchell, who used to work across the hall from us because Billboard and Hollywood Reporter are same parent company, okay. she wrote a profile of you, 2015, describing your voice as, quote, a distinctive amalgamation of Billie Holiday, Dinah Washington, Nina Simone, Aretha Franklin, and Motown. Mm-hmm. That same year, Katie Presley at NPR says that your voice exhibits, quote, Eartha Kitts on Flatball Confidence, Amy Winehouse's Effortless Grasp of Classic Jazz, Billie Holiday's Access to Raw Emotion, and Adele's Range and pop Sensibility. Mm. Additionally, correct me if I'm wrong, you were already sometimes wearing a gardenia on stage in homage to uh, Billie. And you, apparently in 2017, I saw, sang Strange Fruit for the Equal Justice Initiative. So it's like... That on top of your last name being day, it's like this was meant to this was (laughs) meant to be.
0: I'm starting to think maybe it was. (laughs) You know, because I'm a fan of hers, I would have never agreed to do this. You know what I mean? I think that, I think being such a big Billie Holiday fan was what made me go, nah, I don't want to, no. (laughs) Like, I do not, like, I'm too big of a fan. I do not want to be a stain on this woman's legacy. I don't want to botch this project. Like, yeah, right. I was like, no, it's not happening. But, you know, it's funny when you say that too, (laughs) because, I I guess it all sort of kind of flowed together, you know?
1: know. (laughs) Well, and so, you know, you mentioned that by the time you were on the Oscars, that that was in early 2018. You'd already been in talks with with Lee about possibly being involved. How did you first catch wind of the fact that there was even going to be such a project? Um, And because I should just note, if our listeners haven't put it together yet, it's not like you were doing a ton of acting before this. I mean, you probably have to go back to, to once on this island.
0: <laughs> yeah. The last acting gig I had was when I was 16 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, knocked it out of the park, by the way. Y'all.
1: <laughs> it just took a while for the, for the tape to get around.
0: <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So no, I had never acted on screen before. Um, which I think is what ugh, made me so scared. Uh, you know, and, and so I, I really, really what just, um, and you're asking just kind of like what got me into it. Like, well, okay.
1: just even how did you find out there there was such oh, a yeah, thing happening? Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, it was from my manager actually, you know, they reached out to, it's so interesting. I don't even know why Lee had all these people in his life lobbying for me to do this. You know, that's the crazy part. Lee didn't want to work with me. I didn't want to do the movie, you know, sort of like, you know, so all the chips were aligned for us to be like, great, let's move on and make a yeah, great right. you that You'll have someone else starring and all will enjoy when it comes out in theaters. Right. Yes. You know, and then COVID was like, no, it won't be in a theater. And our managers were like, you will meet each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it was through our managers and we had, a, um, we had an initial meeting and, um, and I just was so scared. I was like, okay, you know. And, and then he would ask me questions, too, just um, about the movie, what I knew about her, why I loved her and all this stuff. And I would ask him about the script. And so it was really finding out from him that, A, we weren't remaking Lady Sings the Blues because I knew I did not want to do that. Like. Diana killed it. Why would I try to follow? <laughs> really? Come on. I will always love you. Just let it go. <laughs> so, <laughs> but So I was like, I don't want to do that, you know, and um, but then he ch- told me the story of that. It would be actually highlighting the first war on drugs and how they went after Billy. And as a fan, I knew that story already. So that was intriguing. That's what made me do the audition. That's what made okay. me say, OK, I will go and I'll audition for it but I'm going to be bad, you know, like, and I, I used to tell him all the time, said, if I suck, you have to tell me right away. Don't try to save <laughs> my feelings, please. Don't try to help me just. So he connected me with Tasha Smith, who, um who um started preparing me for the audition. And then she sent him a clip of me, not even rehearsing, I guess just dropping into Billy or trying to get into character. And he said he saw God in it, you know what I mean? And he saw, and he was like, I knew I had to hire you. And I was like, wow, it's just, so uh, yeah, it was just a crazy. We just had to trust each other, you
1: know. Well, I want to read for listeners. This is something that Lee had said, you know, his version of how you guys first, yeah. you know, how he why how he came around on you. Quote: mm-hmm. My managers, people who work with me, they were like, "Andrew is who you have to hire," and I was yeah. like, "Fuck y'all!" I was yeah, like, exactly. "Poor girl!" <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Poor girl, she doesn't stand a chance." But then we met, and I believe this was at Soho House, and when I first looked at her, I saw her spirit. I got chills. She wasn't a desperate actress that just wanted to do it. I could tell she was questioning whether she was good enough. To me, that is when you know that you are really dealing with a perfectionist. She mm-hmm. wanted to do the role justice. That's all you're looking for as a director, close quote. So can mm-hmm. you take me through, what was the audition process? Were there specific scenes that you remember doing?
0: Yeah, it was three scenes, three scenes in particular that we were going to do. Um, and I think, think he was, he does say that, that he was intrigued that I was like, it's like, not that I didn't like that. I was not trying to get it, That I was running from it. I was like, <laughs> you know, I, was, I, I don't know. I love her too much to see it. Not especially knowing her truth and what she fought to see it not come to fruition would have killed me actually really would have killed me. Um, and so, so yeah, the audition process, I mean, to me, I, I don't know, I don't have experience Doing it another way or in the business, you know. So to me, it was definitely rigorous. It was multiple auditions we went through. We put it on tape, you know, so he could see. And um and then he brought me in for to do to do a reading, you know. Um and then we did a couple readings, and she would she would train me. So it was tape and it was readings, and and we had three scenes that we had to do. And and oh my god, I have to just, just don't even like share this because there's parts like there's stuff that I engaged in and I did for this role because I prayed heavily about it and I had peace about it. I just don't want like another actress that's maybe never done anything or an actor that's coming up to be like, I gotta smoke a cigarette. You don't, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you really don't. I, this is what I did to prepare mm-hmm. for this role and what got me into and all this. So we're doing this one scene. Oh my gosh, it was so crazy. There's a scene where the scene where she gets arrested and she just takes her clothes off and she's da-da-da, you know. I never told this before, but the movie's out now. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm preparing for the audition. I think it shook Lee too, because Lee's like, whoa, we don't want to get in trouble. We don't, you know, like... <laughs> but I had prepared this one scene that I, I – there was one scene we were going to do first, and then it was that scene. And so I had prepared the different outfits for it, and my team and my hair person, Natasha, they had got me ready for those things. And so I was dropping in and getting ready for that. And I had planned on the second scene when we did it. I had, like, this bra on, so I was going to take it all off and throw it, but keep that on so I would still yeah. be you know, covered. Because I just – to me, it's like – my dad's always said, you're either in or you're out. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. He switched it at the last minute, so the first scene was the scene where she's like taking her clothes off and going crazy. And I was not required to do that, but I won't believe it if I don't. Yeah, yeah. But for that the scene I had planned, I didn't have a ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Surprisingly. Like, so I'm going through and I'm doing it. At, uh, by the time it comes to I was like, yeah, just take this. And I throw it at the camera and everyone's standing there like And then <laughs> you, you, scrambling. Get her a blanket. Get her a blanket. <laughs> and because I just in my mind I was like, all right, well, here it goes. They're yeah, not, leave it all you
1: know, on the table, right?
0: they are not that <laughs> impressive anyway, so it's like, nah. <laughs> <I didn't laughs>
1: <in> <laughs> hey, hey, hey! You know, don't don't <laughs> knock them. Don't knock
0: them. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that was, uh, it was just crazy. And then we had to do like, um, when Lakeith was still cast, we did like a chemistry read with him and like a test shoot thingy with him as well too. So it was a lot of steps in the whole yeah. process, you know what I mean? And and on top of the work, just preparing for her, but I, I it's, it was a great lesson, you know? <laughs>
1: Well, let's, I mean, people, as you say, this is not necessarily to be copied by others, but let's just yeah. talk about step by step. Please like, somebody. Do the- Honey,
0: <laughs> no. I mean, don't do it. <laughs> right.
1: So you mentioned Tasha Smith. I think that's somebody who'd worked with Lee mm-hmm. with Empire and just made, you know, he, he recommends you spend some time with her doing what?
0: Uh, well, I had to learn how to act. <laughs> <laughs> So she, She's my acting coach. He introduced right. me to Tasha Smith, who was my great acting coach, Tom Jones, who was my wonderful dialect coach. And so, you know, I mean, it was everything all sort of truncated in as much as we could get. So I, I just realized as I'm going through the audition process with her that I'm like, I, I have to lose myself in this if I'm going to be able to do this, you know, and so and. You know, I, I'm a researcher, you know, as I said, we're both, mm-hmm. you know, born similar time, you know, <laughs> you need all the information I want, every detail I want, you know, and and and, and so and they were great because they were like wonderful that you have all of this research and that you have all this stuff in this world of knowledge about period, about Billy, about the FBI, about, you know, all these characters and 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 the war on drugs and jazz and, you know. But you need to fill all that with a human being now, you know, and so she had to really teach me how to access my emotions, how to live and stew in them, how to bring them out. I mean, she taught me just the feeling of, you know, really, there's like exercises that can sort of emulate nodding, right, for, for heroin addicts or when you're drunk or, you know, you're doing cocaine or you're doing, you know, and so um, and just really taught me how to be present, how to, you know, replace things, how to be present in the scene, but the thing she gave me that was the best was to be fluid. You know what I mean? She said, you can prepare everything all day long, but until you have to get on that set. And if Lee says, I don't want any of it, give me something different. You got to on the drop of a dime change, you know? And it worked because in the audition, he said there was one scene I was doing and he was like, I want you to do it drunk, trunker. And he's like, and you just drop right in and we're kind of, okay, everywhere. And he was like, and he was like, Right. So he, it worked because he saw what she had sort of prepared in me in that, in that moment. So, That's and, then amazing. Tom Jones, and then Tom Jones, my dialect coach, we yes. just how does she breathe? You know what I mean? How does she laugh? It comes, not just her tone and how to break up, create all that gravel in there, but also her accent, right? She's from Baltimore by way of Philly. She lives in Harlem. You know what I mean? There's nephew, like Baltimore, people from Baltimore speak differently with their use and just different things. So it was just, Every detail of the voice, that's why I started smoking the cigarettes, drinking the alcohol, stopped taking care of my voice. Just I had to earn in a very short period of time what she earned in, in 44 years, you know, 44 short years. But
1: Well, um, I want to pause for a second and go back to something you said earlier, which was you talked about there was sort of like a spiritual turning point in your life. Mm-hmm. Is that something, if it's not something you're comfortable talking about, we'll move on. But I just wonder, do you remember what cause that because it's going to lead into the next thing I want to ask you about with regard to Billy. But is that something you can talk about?
0: You mean a spiritual turning point, like with regard to the movie or just, you know,
1: even before you were saying like there was a moment and I think it was around the time of maybe, yeah, what, like what where you, I think was where you started to be much more, Devout, if that's the right word.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 definitely. More, more, more uh, focused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm totally comfortable talking about it. My whole first album is actually about it, honestly. So um, it was, it was really, there was just a time in my life. Like I said, I was just living, you know, it's funny because you hear people go self-care and living for yourself, you know what I mean? And which I think is great, but there has to be a degree of accountability, you know what I mean? Otherwise, oftentimes our desires don't really line up necessarily with what's good for us you know what I mean and so uh yeah because there's a lot of things I want to do but <laughs> that I don't engage in because I'd be fucking myself over and someone yeah, else in my life yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and that was really the case you know I had been seeing someone for a long time I was in a relationship for like eight years you know and I was not faithful to him I was not a good girlfriend I was not and beyond a good girlfriend I just wasn't a good person you know what I mean I just I was lying all the time you know and and, and then a part of that also too was just the um I was, like, smoking weed all the time. Even though, again, like, some people can do it and be fine. Drinking, you know, I wasn't, like, an alcoholic, but I just was sort of to feel less guilty about all of the shit that I was engaging and really just betraying people and betraying my family, this person. And it's just those moments when you got to turn and you got to, people will be like, that's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. You know, I had developed a an addiction to, like, pornography even. You know what I mean? And, like, and even with sex, like, that's why I gave it up because I was like, this is ruling my life in a way that I, I can't be productive. I can't. I'm, I'm treating people like shit, you know. So anyway, I had to really get to a point. It was—it's really one of the hardest things to do—to look at yourself in the mirror and say the words cold to yourself. You are not a good person, you know what I mean? Like you're—you can be, and you are really originally that way. But the choices you're making are extremely selfish, and they're hurting people, and they're—you know—and so um, that was really the moment that I was like, and that was really when God got a hold of me and just. I had experienced so much grace and love. You know what I mean? It wasn't guilt and shame, which I should have totally felt, you know, I felt conviction and I went back and told the truth to my ex, to my family, to reconcile and to serve. And to... But I, there wasn't, I had, there was so much grace and so much love of like, you're a human, you know what I mean? So let's just. And trust so that's people.
1: what led into the debut yeah. album. And I think yes, gold absolutely. was particularly one of the yeah, absolutely. songs. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> so, so, the reason I bring that that moment up in the context of Billy is that now, as a character, you got to go back in the yes. sewer um, with all this, you right? Say
0: that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. was that emotionally jolting or whatever to now have to not only be doing the things that you had been doing at a darker time in your life, but mm-hmm. on top of that, I mean, as far as I know, you weren't doing heroin and no, stuff no. of that <laughs> magnitude, <laughs> so now it, it was gonna get like this is this is a pretty dark headspace, and you're and as as andra playing Billy, you've got to now do things that Andra no longer does, and yeah. whether it's the swearing or drinking or or on camera having to be nude and have sex and all this stuff that you've talked about, I guess I just wonder how did you reconcile those things
0: mm mm-mm. that's a, that's such a great question, and I'm so glad you asked it too because. I think even people, right, who are like, you know, believers would say that to them. So we're like, well, how can you do this? And how can you, you know, all this stuff as well? And honestly, my response was like, listen, I prayed heavily about this and got sheer peace about this because I don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Like, so, but, um, so I was kind of be like, take it up with him. You know what I mean? I feel like ask, ask, you know what I mean? Ask the spirit about it. You know, like, um, if if you feel a type of way about it. Uh, but no, the way I did was that I, I truly, truly, it wasn't even that I had to reconcile it, and that sounds really weird, but I'm telling you, when I had the green light to do this and to have peace, it was actually a friend of mine was concerned. It was like go to prayer about it, and I was like, "Yeah, definitely." I was like, "To pray it away, right?" <laughs> That's what we were we were trying to do. And in the moment, it was the scripture about Peter asking, asking Christ to cause him to get out of the boat and to walk on water. And it was like so clear in that moment that it was like, I'm going to cause you to do an act of great faith. And I was like, shit.
1: <laughs> I well, do it. And I, I, would- I want to be clear that I, I wasn't saying it in a judgmental way at all, because I, I think that it, I think it's, um, you know, it's, the most the greatest thing somebody can be to me is empathetic and Mm -hmm. that's what this role demanded more than anything i would guess right
0: thank you no and that that's really what it was and i appreciate that and i was not saying you were judging but some people were sort Uh, of you know what i mean like or not understanding i should give them more credit than that they just weren't understanding And, and i wasn't i didn't know fully either you know what i mean and so I feel like and now I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, like I feel like God used this movie to really usher me into a deeper space of revelation and understanding, you know, in, in my faith and just how to love people. And like, you know, because I, I I do, I really feel like God wanted her story told. You know, I it made me the scripture I kept having in mind. What is done in darkness will be brought out to light. And I think that's beautiful. You know what I mean? Because it, it is it's a space of, of clarity and of freedom. And. And her fight deserved to have this, this, this look, you know, and I was tell people, I said, when I was on set, I could feel that God loved me and everyone on set and loved her. You know what I mean? It was like, this has to be what she gave up is huge. You know what I mean? And the other part is, I think it's very funny, right? I'll get into that. I'll tell you, you know. I think it's very funny when people go, "Well, this is so crazy," and blah blah. Because blah. I go like, "Yo, you read the Bible? That shit is trill as hell." You know, what yeah, I mean? not- <laughs> like it is not sugarcoated, not like at it, all. you know. So, but I realize a lot of people read it through the lens in America often of of with an agenda, right? An agenda sort of to control, an agenda to just have things the way that they're comfortable with or that they like, or things that you know. um, And I think. I'd like to definitely see that sort of uncovered as well too. Yeah. You know I mean?
1: Well, so then there's the the physical aspect of all of this, which I thought, you know, like like seems like everybody else that you look great before this. You now lost thirty-nine pounds. Yeah. <laughs> how, I wish I knew how to do that. What was your secret?
0: you can do it just be hungry and miserable yeah
1: <laughs> I don't know anymore that like, sounds a little <laughs> so
0: funny. Everybody wants to be like there was this great diet secret I had I was hungry as shit I was yeah. angry as yeah. shit yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my poor family when I'm just like in hunger anger mode or whatever but oh, man. you know so no I mean I tried to because we had a, a good portion of time before we started filming because it was so difficult for me to get the funding for this film um I had a good bit of time, so I wanted to lose it healthily at first, you know, but once we got in, you know, into 2019 and closer to filming, you know, I, I was very clear. I, I did want to starve myself. So we did bring my calories down to like 600, you know what I mean? A day. And, and then even lower, there were moments that I would go like two days without eating or, you know what I mean? And so I'm um, just drinking some water, not too much because there was a little bit, and I'll tell you why again, as the muscle grows, hopefully it won't be like, <laughs> stupid, but, <laughs> but um, it, it did something to my body. Obviously it does something to your body. When you are starving, when you're hungry, everything is in preservation mode reserve. So you're slower, you know what I mean? You're gaunt, you know what I mean? And, and I, I didn't want, the worst vision I had was me walking into the sex scene with like an eight pack. I was like, That's <laughs> not like come on, you guys. Like we're now we can't walk into set. I was so clear with my trainers, with, with the food people. I was like, there cannot be a hard body Billy on set. So, um, and so I was like, there's gotta be loose skin. I mean, RIP to this top half. Cause she's gone. <laughs> So it was like, these need to kind of sag and Mm -hmm. things, you know, if it's going to really be believable for people, you know, and then it slowed me down. I'm fast and Billie Holiday is molasses slow. So when you're smoking cigarettes and you're drinking and you're not sleeping for days and you haven't eaten in two days, you know, and then I would kind of like binge on like eggs, something or whatever the next day, but Um, It slowed me down in a way that, honestly, I'm not mad at it. It was very helpful in certain scenes to not have to think about being slow and to just think about the emotion of it, you know? Well,
1: and in fact, also, I think, like, I'm thinking about the performance of Strange Fruit, just as one example, where she's not, like, up there dancing. She is a pretty still performer, and it's all in the eyes, and it just seems, Right.
0: Right. This isn't a. This isn't a Josephine Baker. No. Right? Yeah, good, it's gonna give you this. Yeah. No. I'm I'm give you a little twist. A little but this is t- where we are. You know. That?
1: But that was. I mean, that was great because we really like it. We focus in on your face, your eyes. I get what you mean. How that could be intimidating as a as a first time actress to have yes. a close up like that. But you had the brown contact lenses. Mm-hmm. You did something. Why did they cut off all your hair?
0: Uh, cause she had short hair, you know what I mean? And so, um, and I, and Lee is very, he's, he's really, really brilliant in this way. Honestly, we had wigs we had great wig techs, God rest Charles Gregory. Um, and Stacy Merriman on set who did my hair as well too. Um, but he's, he's a person who's, I hate makeup. I hate makeup. I don't like makeup. And he wants the hair to look as natural as possible that, you know, all this stuff as well. So, so that it could really feel like her and be like her, you know, and because and, she did have short hair, you know, and, and so we used wigs, but we also used my natural hair. And in the scene where, you know, Billy meets um, uh, Jimmy for the first time in the dressing room, that's my natural hair, you know, so uh, it was just what was going to be real. You know what I mean? I, I think what he liked most also about one of my auditions was like I. I had just come from like a show. So like, I had like bitten all my nails off and I just had one long <laughs> gross nail still hanging on. And he loved that shit, you know, like that's his vision. That's his eye. He loves that nuance, you know? So it was really his genius that really, that captured that, you know?
1: So uh, this was a long process. I think you were, uh, you're saying that you got the role after the Oscars in early 2018, you guys don't start filming till fall of 2019. It, I guess there are a few reshoots and things going all the way into 2020, right?
0: Yeah, and end of
1: 2020. End of 2020. Now, finally, early 2021, people start to see this. You get the reaction to that. Then comes this moment with the Golden Globe nomination and then the show. I know that it's probably the same with music. It's not the most healthy thing to put your... Self-worth in anyone else's hands, whether it's a critic or awards or whatever. But that being said, it's got to have been pretty nice to go into uh, to have this reaction and and both from public critics and then this moment. What is two Sundays ago?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, yes, yes. It was two Sundays ago already. Oh my gosh. um yeah um, No, and you're right. 100%. It's not why I did it. I mean, to be honest with you, most of the time I was just like, I want to get off this set. I'm terrified. <laughs> but then it transitioned to me being like, I never want to leave this set. It's my favorite place. This is my new life. I am Billie Holiday. You know what I mean? So I don't know who I am. I only want to be her. So, uh but it's not. I mean, I, I I wasn't even, to be honest with you, I was not. I'm being 100% honest. Because this is not typically my world, you know, so I I wasn't thinking about the other side of things. You know, I forget that to me when I was pressing promo, I was like, yes, it's another excuse to see Lee in my cast. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it's so tough. And then COVID was a hater and was like, nah. But um, so but but uh, yeah, but I will say I did not do it for that reason. And I'm not just saying this to be like, oh, humble." I, I was terrified. But you know but yes of course it's it's a blessing also because it's like you know um it just reminds me too you know i think about everything ties back to 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 that spiritual relationship with me faith and works together right it's so beautiful it's not really about earning it but it is still working hard you know what i'm saying and like trusting enough to put in the work and to believe and and i just i don't know it reminds me also too i i always tell people I'm like you don't really have to like this idea of like, I'm competing, I'm competing. I'm like, no, nah, what's for you is for you. And it's the greatest. And mm-hmm. you don't have to pine for that work hard. And that's a higher standard of work, you know, but it reminds me that like, you know, yeah, it, it just like, yeah, that, that it's that what is for you is for you. You know what I mean? You can't, like, you won't even be able to self-sabotage your way out of it.
1: <laughs> well, and I mean, I, I was watching like everybody else that that gloves night and I wondered, I mean, you looked as surprised as anyone. Did you? Really? Or you?
0: Yeah, to be <laughs> honest with you, I was fully shocked, bro. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Listen, there was someone in my mind who I was certain they were going to give it to, so I'm not going to say, it, you know what I mean? But I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going to get this award, bro. Like, I, I, was, I was shocked if that person, <laughs> I would have been shocked if that person didn't win the award. Forget myself. Like, I was just expecting, I was like, if that person doesn't win, I'll be shocked that they called some other name. Right. But I was just there for like, you know what I mean? The cake and the cupcakes and shit. Like, <laughs> you know, we had worked hard and I guess my team believed, my team was like, totally, this is definitely, I was like, whatever, bro. Like, cool. We gotta enjoy this." So, so to me, it was, I was like, I can't, I'm nominated. You know, this is so, I, I still was trying to wrap my head around that. And, but receiving it too. God's great. You know what I mean? I trust in that. But yeah, I was definitely shook when they. I just remember, <laughs> Scott, I'm telling you for real, for real, everything slowed down in the room. And all I heard was and. And I was like, I don't <laughs> know I had enough time in that slowed down moment to think. I don't think anybody else in this category has a hard A in <laughs> <A> like that. <laughs> then everything just erupted, and we... Well, and that we, was
1: your parents, right, with you, and everybody in your... That was great. Anyway, really nice.
0: Family members. Well, and know. I mean,
1: I guess people shouldn't have been super surprised, because we know that they, like the Critics' Choice Association, which I'm uh, part of there, you were nominated not only for the acting, but also for Tigress and Tweed, which is, yeah, people awesome. think, this. you know, these are all... It, it is mostly Billy songs, but that's an original by that's an
0: original, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things I've written. It is probably my favorite thing I've ever written in my life, wow. honestly. Yeah. And that was, you know, I tapped um, Rafael Sadiq to do the music for it. And I reached out to him. He saw the movie, he loved it. And so, and I was just talking to him about just kind of bringing her into now and how we kind of, what my vision is for that, you know. He sent over this beautiful track and he says it has a wrong piano chord in it, but it's beautiful. And I love that because, you know, Billy, wrong piano <laughs> yeah. chord, but beautiful, right? Yeah. But when I tell you, it took me like a month, a little over a month to write these lyrics. I was so, and they're hitting me too. Andrew was going off the lyrics. Come on, we right. need to, but I, and it came the way Rise Up came. Right after I prayed about it, it all came pouring out and I just had a need. It was flip strange fruit. If Billie Holiday were alive today, how would she want to see Uh, I mean, uh, Strange strange Fruit evolved, you know? And one of the first things that I had a a need to do was to take the Strange Fruit off of the tree. I don't want them sat on the tree. I don't want them hanging on the tree because that's a comfortable song for other people to listen to. It's a comfortable story for them to say, it's so sad they're on the tree, we feel bad, savior. You know what I'm saying? Like, as opposed to Strange Fruit is they own the tree. They cut the tree down. They're healthy. They're fertilized. They're they're brawlic. They're... They're armed, they're unified, they're educated, they're, you know, I, I wanted to see that strength, that fight, you know what I mean, a mobilized, unified front line. And so I wanted to evolve the idea of what Strange Fruit is, you know, and that was, so I, I really am really grateful. But I've been rallying the troops, chariots aflame a line behind my mozzie coupe. down at these roots Stick to make hey, big fruit, big vibe. Always pressing that line So full of love and light The truth is black and white
1: All right, so we have one minute left and I want to just do what we call, if it's okay, rapid fire, just kind of the first oh, thing. Oh yeah, you know, I was right. so
0: mad at this, somebody rapid fired me the other day, they're like, fake romantic comedies, I'm like, Lady Sings the Blues, <laughs> none of those are funny, I was like, oh shit. <laughs>
1: you, can, you can even not make it rapid if you want, because some of these so might, bad. yeah, I mean.
0: I'm ready.
1: What do you think <laughs> Billy would have made of this current moment in America?
0: Oh, is this a part of the
1: rapid fire? We're going to get rid of the rapid part. This is just.
0: Oh, okay. oh, no, is so, me right no I
1: mean, because I, that I realize like that's something that probably, you, you know, I don't want to trivialize like that. Like there's that there, she was, you've said and other people say, you know, in a way, the mother of the civil rights movement. Yeah, Here we are at another key turning point, hopefully, yeah. I guess. It's had to go through a lot to get to this moment. And mm-hmm. it's not been a great year or years yeah uh but just if she could be here mm. uh what would she have to say about it
0: i think what she would say about the time is she would be like i think she'd say wow you know what i'm saying wow you know what i mean like we we have definitely made some strides i think there's another other part of her that would go son of a bitch what they planned worked. You know what I mean? There is a part, I think that a huge part that she would say, wow, this was their plan the entire time was to diminish the scope of black people, of people of color and marginalized people's struggle and diminish the, the depth and the breadth of their contribution and their triumph. And so I think there's a part of her that would weep a little bit at that it was able to be successful. And I think there's a part of her that would weep at how far we have come. You know what I mean? As a people, how resilient we have been and what we have fought through and what we've had to face. I, I think that what she would tell us is to keep telling the story. Tell more of her story. Tell—I think she would say—now go tell Lester's story. You know what I mean? Now go tell Beethoven's story. Now go tell the story of the man, the the black man, Carver. Right? He was not just the peanut butter man, but he actually saved us from truly being destroyed in in an economic depression. Go tell the story of Lafayette. I only remember his last name, Lafayette, the slave that 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 infiltrated the British camp that really netted us our our our. our Independence, you know what I mean. Go tell these stories. Now go tell this person's story. Now go tell that person's story. Because we will never, ever, ever truly be equal or free if we don't know our real history, you know. And so, I think what she would try to do is hijack the narrative, or not really hijack it, take it back. Yeah, yeah. And we have to tell these stories, you know.
1: How about in terms of music? Which um, mm-hmm. I mean, aside from the influence that we see in your own work, can you just give as kind of give us your like? Expert opinion. Where do you see her influence in the world of music today? The top everywhere, everywhere,
0: everywhere. And the the funny part is, even in people who don't know that they're influenced by her, because this sort of free form singing, that phrasing that we're very, very used to on top of not just jazz records, you know, even on top of pop records. Right. Because the worlds are all melding together, you know. Um, that mixing of worlds, right. Billie Holiday, she always was like, I'm a blues singer, I'm a blues singer. And everybody be looking at her like, sis, you had to break it to you, <laughs> but you're a jazz singer. <laughs> and so that melding of like blues and soul and, 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 and jazz and gospel and, you know, um, and, and that free form singing, we're very familiar with it. That's actually all we all know how to sing. That was not a thing before Billie Holiday, you know what I mean? And so, you know, it was very structured and do, 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 whatever. So that freeform, freeform phrasing and singing that she did, that's her. So, I mean, most singers sing the way they do nowadays without realizing it because of Billie Holiday. You know, that mixing of genres is, has a lot to do with her. And so and it's because nobody believed in her. They'd give her the shitty songs. They'd give her the shitty music or whatever. So she says, all right, I'm going to sing it the way I sing it. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm going to own it, you know,
1: uh, I think. Yeah, it's really kind of a, a flip side, I think roughly the same time maybe uh we see in, in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom where you see how artists had to deal with bullshit from labels, which I'm sure continues to this Always. day. Oh
0: yeah. listen, at that at that time yes, it does continue today. You know what I mean? But that then as well, it was just you know almost just the musical modern plantation. You know what I mean? And that's that's what I hope we begin to see is the undoing of not just of not just the criminalization, but the monetization and exploitation of sort of black bodies and, and culture and these things. Let's just enjoy all of it. You know what I mean? And, and celebrate the people that it comes from as well too. So yes, you saw that brilliantly done. in oh my God, Violet Davis man, I love her so much.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I got flowers from her. So crazy, man. That's
1: awesome. That's awesome.
0: And I love her so much, but, but yeah, so I, I think that, um, you know, we'll 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 begin. I, I was telling someone the other day, there is no reason why the Oscars this year or why the Oscars next year or why should not be full this category and others full of black faces, full of women's faces, full of queer faces, full of a bunch of different walks of life. You know, even when it comes to like, you know, white men. Right. You know what I mean? Like Jewish men. when it com- You know, I'm like, well, you're, you're still talking about an array of people. You know what I mean? Yeah. One person one state or from one country is not the same as another. So I think we should I would love to just see so much more of that represented and celebrated in these spaces, definitely.
1: I think, yeah, definitely. And and this year it seems like knock on wood, it's moving in a better direction. But yeah. uh, last question, looking ahead to the future, what do you hope people take away from all of this renewed attention that's being placed on Billy Holiday and your movie? And then on the flip side, what about your future are you going to be kind of a, a one and done actress or hopefully is this you're now are you now uh on board to keep doing this
0: um so listen i thought i was a one and done i might have told you this before when i was on set like i said matt i'll tell you something if Devine was here Tyler's here Travante, everywhere they'd be laughing their asses off at me right now because <laughs> they were be like girl you on set we thought you were retired you know i <laughs> they'd be like, man, you know, when you do another role, I'd be like, eh, stop it. I'm not doing another role. I'm done. Okay? <laughs> like, but, um, it just feels like, you know, she took everything, but she also grew so much in me. So it was hard, this idea of moving on from her, you know, it feels like cheating on her almost. But, um, but I, I really, it all ties together really. Right. What I hope people get from this movie is that there are so many more stories that need to be told so many, you know, and that it's a trap. It shouldn't bother. I think even if you're you know, sort of a part of overarching, like white society or whatever, it should bother you that you don't know the true history of your nation. Right. You know what I mean? These were lies that were, you know, told to you as well. So I feel like I want more of these stories told and that goes in, in line with, um, what I see for the future. You know, I've started developing something actually as well and started researching and, just, you know, the holes that we go down in <laughs> um, and writing and, and studying. So there's a, something I, I want to get behind the camera. I want to start to write and, and, and co-produce and co-direct and just um, um, sort of working on this um, idea for this series, because I want a lot of lost history to be told. Um, as far as acting goes, you know, I'll, I'll probably do a little bit more. Um, I say that now. <laughs> But I, I always joke with my cast and I joke with Lee. Lee and I talk all the time and I'm like, Lee, I'll do it again if it's with you. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and my cast, I love them so much. But but yeah, I, I probably a little bit more, but I really, really want to get into just developing certain stories that I have a desire to, to tell. Which I can't tell you, but hopefully I'll be able to break it to Come you. Come back to
1: me. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can't thank you enough. It's been so fun getting to... Uh, you know, I've no, I've loved your voice for a while. Now I love your performance, and it's been so nice to just discover what a what a class act you are as a person. Hey, so thank you, that was. really appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, wow,
0: so great! I got described as classy. You are yeah. uh, that, that's it. You tell
1: anyone if they have a problem with that, give me a call. <laughs> yeah, <I'm
0: terrible.
1: laughs> Thanks again. I really appreciate so it.
0: Yeah, I'll talk to you Take soon. Care. <laughs> Take care. Bye.
1: Thanks very much for tuning in to Awards Chatter. We really appreciate you taking the time to do that and would really appreciate you taking a minute more to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your podcast app and to leave us a rating as well. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach me via Twitter at twitter.com slash Scott Feinberg. And you can follow all of my coverage between episodes at thr.com slash the race. Until next time, thanks for joining us.